Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the Impact Now radio show, presented by the Rawlings College Social Impact Hub. I'm one of your hosts for today, Matthew Gaville. Hey, everyone. My name is Bobby Senna, and I will be one of your hosts today, along with Matthew, and we have an exciting show uh, we have an exciting show planned for all of you guys today. It's the next season again, and election time has come again. That's why our topic for today's show is going to be about voting. We'll be discussing how the voting process works here in the U.S., what exactly the electoral college is, consider if voting is important, and look at the obstacles that voters face. Bobby, uh, could you tell us what voting is? Of course I can, Matthew. Voting is a process by which a group of people can decide things fairly when they do not all agree. Voting is an important part of democracy. In a democracy, people use voting to choose their government leaders or their representatives. To explain further, when a group of people vote, it's called an election. In an election for a government job, the people who want the job are called the candidates. Candidates often run a campaign before an election. During a campaign, a candidate tries to convince voters that he or she is right for the job. Candidates often make speeches and run advertisements on television. Yeah, on election day, people usually go to a polling place to vote. Polling places are often in schools, community centers, or other public buildings. And at the polling place, people vote for their favorite candidate or the candidate that they feel will do the best job. They use a machine to make their choice, or they can mark their choice on a form, which is called a ballot. So they mark which candidate they want to represent them on a ballot. You see, everyone's choice remains a secret unless they choose to tell somebody else. After the election, machines or election workers, they count those votes for each candidate, and then the candidate with the most votes usually wins the election. And the reason for our show today is the election that's occurring soon in the U.S. It's going to take place on Tuesday, November 3rd, and in the United States, Election Day is the annual day set by law for the general elections of federal public officials. It's statutorily set as the Tuesday next after the first Monday of the month of November, which basically means the first Tuesday after November 1st. Something that's really important to, uh, to, to talk about when talking about the election is, is uh, the Electoral College. You see, the Electoral College was established by the U.S. Congress in 1789. And now the next question that you would ask yourself is, well, why? You see, the founding fathers, so the people that came up with our country, uh, they wanted to protect what was, what's called states' rights, so the rights of the states. And you see, they also wondered if the public would have the knowledge necessary to make a wise choice. So the Electoral College is, it's not a college, you know, not like Rollins College, <laughs> but instead it's a collection of electors chosen from each state. You see, the Electoral College process is used to select the president and vice president of the United States. Yeah. And just to make it a little more clear so that everybody understands, when people vote for the president, they're really voting for an elector from that state. And each state has a certain number of electors. These electors then vote for president. Yeah, and each state gets an elector for each member of Congress from that state. So that is one for each member from the state in the House of Representatives, which is based on the population of the state, and two more for the state's two senators. For, for example, California gets 55 electors, Florida gets 29, and Wyoming only gets three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much anyone who can vote can be an elector. The only people prevented from being electors are certain political leaders like senators and representatives, obviously because they're going to be pulling for their own party. Most electors are people who have been loyal and dedicated members of their political party for a long time. Yeah, and it's also important to note that not all electors have to vote in a certain way. In some states, there's laws requiring that electors vote the same as the people who voted for them. Uh, but most of the time, electors vote as expected. But in rare cases, they have changed their vote and voted for a different candidate than the people who voted for them. So to explain that a little bit more is the people vote for the representative they want, and there's been rare cases, but still still cases that happen where uh, the elector votes for someone other than what the people had voted for. I think it's like one of the really interesting parts of the electoral system in the United States, obviously, because you're thinking that, you know, it's like a very direct thing, but then you have these people who then have that control over your vote, even though generally they choose to go with what the populace of that state has chosen. There is that option for them to choose not to. Yeah, and it, and it really is a fantastic debate on whether or not we should keep the Electoral College, because as you're listening to this, 
I want you to understand that our founding fathers, as we had noted, made the Electoral College because they felt that the people, um, you know, sometimes wouldn't be the most knowledgeable as to who to choose for their leaders. So as just a backup plan or a plan B, they said, in the case that they don't know, we'll have electors or the Electoral College to properly represent the best candidate possible. I think it was a really uh, interesting idea that they came up with. Uh, and now, just to get everybody hyped up and pumped for the election, we're going to be playing some music. Yeah, and today's vibe. So last time it was chill because we were talking about sustainability, and today I chill type of vibe. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy.
And we are back. So, Matthew, how, how do you feel about voting? Mm, for me, voting is like a really interesting process, I think. Uh, especially because I'm not from the United States, right? And so, like, all of the election hype is really interesting for me, viewing it as, like, an outside party. Uh, like, where my apartment is, I literally have, like, a Winter Park library directly outside. And so, like, I can see everybody lining up for voting. And I think that's so interesting because my roommate is also not a U.S. citizen. And so we were talking about how if we had to wait in the line that long, we probably just wouldn't vote. And I thought uh, seeing how the U.S. goes about elections is so different from how um, a lot of places in the rest of the world does it. No, absolutely. And that's a fantastic point to keep in mind, that the way that America and, and the USA does its elections is definitely a unique way. And, and it's a very fantastic way. Um, and, and one of the greatest things about it is it really does represent the people's voice. And I think that was the main message of this whole voting system, to represent the people's voice. So your voice and my voice, how we represent it is by voting um and, and then you know our concerns or anything that we want to get fixed or maybe changed is then put forth by the representative that we elected into office um w which i think is an insanely impressive system that was created um and and yeah and, and quite honestly it, it's so funny that you bring up how it, it's interesting to see all the people because early voting just just began yeah and right next to rollins college um, there, there is a polling place, and, and I remember passing by in my car and seeing the amount of people that were voting. Um, and, and it's crazy to see the turnout this year, that, that there is really a lot of people coming out to vote. I, I want to say that I even read um, a news article that was talking about this election having the most turnout for early voting as opposed to 2016, that election. So, you know, even having more voter participation it's since the four-year change. I think it's also going to be interesting to see, like, what different groups are going to be the ones who have either, like, de increased, decreased, or, like, escape the same in voting. Like, I know a lot of um, young people, obviously, are, like, really pumped up about this election. So seeing, are they then going to the polls and, like, what's happening there? Because, we you know, like, in the 2016 election, there were a lot of, um, of the youth who were like, ah, I have a lot of thoughts on this, but they didn't really show up. And so it's going to be interesting to see if that happens now. No, absolutely. And, and one thing that we do want to make very, very important is that you guys go out and vote. Um, and if you're listening to this and you guys aren't 18, uh, then this doesn't apply to you. But you should still take your part and get involved by working at polls or maybe even just um, working on a campaign of whoever you choose. Um, but, but really, if you are 18 or older, it, it's very important to go vote because, as I said, it represents our voice as the people. And, and America can't run and quite honestly the world can't really run unless we're constantly representing our voices in the most effective way possible um and, and that's why i always say you know voting is, is one of the greatest ways to do that it is one of the greatest ways to um create change in such a simple way i think it's also important to point out just although like voting is like a great way to get your voice out, i think it's also important to see like how many people like in the united states don't have that ability to vote right when you think of like the U.S. prison population is the largest in the world, and all of those people can't vote. And a lot of times when they do, like, leave the um, penal system, they also have their ability to vote revoked. Like, in Florida, I know, like, they re like felons recently gained the ability to vote, but they also now have to pay an amount of money. And so I think that's also, like, an interesting thing to point out just because, like, voting is there and available. I think you should be able to, like, take advantage of it, you know? No, absolutely, absolutely, and um, and I, I think in more recent years, they've done a great job of this, of trying to make transportation um, accessible or available for people who maybe don't have it. Um, yeah, and, and I just wanted to bring that up, you know, like finding those ways to transport yourself, because that's a big concern. And then also one thing that, that we need to make note of is that in the time, in the context of COVID-19 and that situation going on, um, you know, making sure that you also stay safe while you vote. Yeah, well, it's definitely important, like, if you are going out to vote in person or if you are, like, dropping off a ballot, you know, and making sure that you wear your mask when possible to social distance. Um, I think all of that is really important because, obviously, although you want your voice to be heard, you also want to make sure that you're healthy and safe while doing it. Absolutely. And then uh, one thing that I, you know, I, I in my what's called RCC class, or kind of like a homeroom class, we're learning about the Founding Fathers and, and how they came up with our country um, and kind of the blueprints of it and the blueprint, blueprints of democracy. And one thing that I learned that, that was really interesting was that 
um, the United States is technically considered a constitutional federal republic. Um, so what, And that's a mouthful right there, but we're considered a constitutional federal republic, and that's according to the usembassy.gov. Um, constitutional meaning we run by a constitution, and, and that's very uh, simple to understand because our framework is the constitution and the amendments that follow. Federal meaning that we are under one central government along with 50 other governments, which makes sense because we have our federal government and then our 50 different uh, state governments. And then republic so that, that just simply means people hold the power, but they elect representatives to exercise that power, um, so, which I thought was really awesome because typically we think of America as, as a pure democracy, um, but we, although we are still a democracy, we have taken different forms of government to make a hybrid of what we know today as our American government. Yeah, like the American governmental system is really, really instrumental for a lot of other uh, governmental systems across the world. It's, really was an interesting change historically. And I think, is that our caller? Yes, it is. So up next, to explain voting a little bit more and help you understand the election, is none other than one of Rollins' finest, uh, Barry Clark from the Rollins... Actually, uh, before we can get into it, I think there was a bit of an issue with the phone. Um, so, so while we wait... Uh, yeah, while we wait, I, I do want to talk about one topic that we were going to talk about with Bailey, which is uh, parties. So if you could explain a little further as to what what parties are. Sure. So in the United States, there are different political parties. Uh, it is a two-party system, right? We have Democrats and Republicans along different political lines, and generally candidates will then um, run on the basis that they are a part of either political party. You do have other parties, you have the Green Party, there are independents, but generally, I guess a two-party system and one of those two parties will get elected. Per Perfect. So now, without further ado, um, Bailey's on the phone. Hi there. Awesome. How are you doing, Bailey? Doing well. How are you all? Thanks for inviting me. No, absolutely. Thank you for being here today. Um, so, to start off, would you mind talking a little bit about what you do at Rollins? Sure, no problem. So my name is Bailey Clark, and I'm the Associate Director in the Center for Leadership and Community Engagement at Rollins. And our primary role as an office is to connect students, faculty, and staff to community-based organizations. So that could be nonprofits, government agency, public schools, etc. Uh, but we also oversee kind of democratic engagement more broadly, which at the current moment means voter registration and education. Um, so our, our efforts this semester have really been focused on the upcoming presidential election. Perfect. And, and actually, that's a fantastic segue into my next question, which is, can, can you explain what voting is? Sure. So voting in this particular context, when we talk about voting in elections in the United States, we are voting for representatives who will uh, represent our ideas and values in government because the U.S. is a, a representative democracy. So it's not often that we vote directly for uh, legislation, although that does happen sometimes, whether we're, you know, approving amendments to state constitutions or, or things of that nature. But in most elections, we're voting for individuals to represent us in government. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, and we had talked a little bit about that before you had hopped on, um, talking about the way that, that America is founded and kind of the government that we utilize today. But... Um, do you, the, the big question is, do you think voting is important? I do, and that's a, that's a great question. I think sometimes, especially in bigger elections, people think, oh, well, you know, my vote is only one out of millions, so how does my vote actually count, right? But the reality is that it's more complicated than that. Um, first of all, when we consider our individual votes, um, they have a lot more power than you might think. So, for example, in the upcoming presidential election, 
certainly you're voting for a presidential candidate, but there's also a number of candidates and items on the ballot that aren't related to the presidency, right? So local candidates for office, and as I, I mentioned a bit ago, amendments to, at least in Florida, we have six proposed amendments to our state constitution, including one about increasing the minimum wage. So in that regard, your voice and your vote matters in directing more local legislation and, and representation. But also when you think about your vote individually, um, you have influence over people around you, right? So if, if you say, well, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't matter, and that trickles to other people, uh, we end up with very low turnout in elections. And actually in the U.S., we have lower turnout in our elections than most developed Western democracies. Uh, so that's something to consider, and I'm hopeful that we're experiencing a moment in time where we'll have record turnout based on the number of folks that have already turned out to vote either early or by mail. Um, but we have to keep that momentum going through the next 10 days. So fingers crossed, hopefully we'll have great turnout in this election. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and I had mentioned this previously that uh, I had read an article saying that this has been one of the years, as opposed to 2016, this year had one of the best voter uh, turnouts for early voting, um, mm -hmm. which I thought was really awesome. But my, my next question is going to be, um, you, you mentioned how on top of voting for the president this upcoming election, we're also voting on different bills or pieces of legislation. And are there any resources where maybe somebody can find out what, you know, what are they voting for? Or what pieces of legislation um, are going to be on the ballot? Sure. Great question. I mean, it is, there's a lot on the ballot. I think it's like four pages long. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely important to be prepared before you go. I'm, I'm very grateful to our election officials here locally that send out sample ballots so that you have the opportunity to, to look at what's going to be on there if you opt to vote in person. I actually always vote by mail. Uh, in Florida, you can, you can vote by mail without an excuse. So I always do that to give myself the chance to sit down with my ballot and do a bit of research. Um, but there's a number of sources that are, are really helpful. I'd say the first one is the League of Women Voters. That's a nonpartisan group um, that has local chapters. So there's one in Orange County, and they always publish information about the pros and cons for candidates and amendments. And that information can be found at vote411.org. And then I'd also recommend local publications. So one example of that, the Orlando Sentinel put out a voter guide for all of Central Florida, and it includes candidates and other ballot items for, you know, Orange County, Osceola County, Seminole County, et cetera. So that's a great resource, and it's available in print or digital as well through their website. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, that, that's amazing resources, and uh, I'll make sure to mention them again when we finish off the show. Uh, now, one thing we did talk about before you came on was the Electoral College, and, and we uh, explained kind of what the Electoral College is. We explained how it was more of a contingency plan or a plan B. Um, but I did want to ask you, you know, you being a, a fantastic expert, um, what are your thoughts on the Electoral College, or, or if you wanted to add something as to what you think about the Electoral College? Sure. So the Electoral College is unique in that we, for presidential elections specifically in the United States, we don't directly vote for candidates, which is a bit confusing because when you cast your vote on your ballot, you, you put a candidate, right? Um, but what you're actually doing is you're telling an elector who's part of the electoral college what your preference is. And then they're supposed to take your preferences and vote on your behalf. And the reason why we have this system in the U.S. is because there's a 
an emphasis on states' rights in addition to sort of, you know, federal rights and powers. And so if you give the same number of votes to a very large state, say like California, as a, a less populous state, um, say like North Dakota, then California has a lot more power to decide who wins a presidential election, right? So the idea behind the Electoral College is to give more power relative uh, to the larger states to less populated states. So in, in Florida, for example, we have a pretty large population, and that allows us to have 29 representatives in Congress. So we have uh, 27 in the U.S. House of Representatives and two senators for a total of 29. That means we get 29 electoral votes for the Electoral College. And in order for a presidential candidate to win an election, they have to get 270 total, which is more than, than half. That would be the majority of electors. Uh, so that's kind of how it works. I think it's you know, I understand the reasoning behind it, but where we run into an issue is when you have a candidate that wins the popular vote, which happened in 2016. You know, Hillary Clinton won. She had more votes cast for her than uh, Donald Trump did, but he still won the Electoral College because of where the, the votes were cast. Um so it's an, it's an interesting dichotomy to consider, like which is better. I don't know that I can make a value judgment, but I will say that I, I don't think the Electoral College system is going away anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even on top of the 2016 election, if I'm correct, the 2000 election even had the same um, dilemma with, with, with popular vote versus Electoral mm -hmm. College. Um, and, and that was the George Bush versus Al Gore, and, and George Bush ended up winning, um, but there was that dilemma between George Bush winning the Electoral College, whereas Al Gore mm -hmm. won the popular vote. Um, now, yeah, and, and, and you did bring up how elect, the Electoral College and the electors are all based off of population, and uh, I, I mean, my next question is going to be, if the population increases or decreases, does that mean that the electors do too? Potentially, yes. I, I think this is one reason why participation in the U.S. Census is so important, right? That's something that's happening right now and something that a lot of people take for granted. But being counted in something like that is directly related to the resources and, in essence, the, the power that's given to an individual part of the country. So um, when the parties are redistricting based on changes in population, um, it's, it's really important to have accurate information. So yeah, it, it can certainly change. Perfect. And, and uh, you know, if, if there's anybody listening to this um, who's a Floridian, then you already know this. But if not, Florida is, is very well known for their mistakes during elections. <laughs> um, you know, whether it be the hanging chads or just be that we turned in our election results a little late. Um, but with that being said, do you have any tips for Florida voters on how they can make sure that their, their vote is, is well spent, especially considering that, you know, um, mail-in voting is going to be a very big thing this year? So, so is there any yes. tips you can give? Yeah, so my, my assumption is that it will be a very close race in Florida. And... <laughs> You know, I, I hope we know on November 3rd the outcome, but that might not be the case. Um, in, in Florida, we do have November 3rd by the time the polls close as the deadline to receive mail-in ballots. There are a few states, including Pennsylvania, that have extended that de deadline. Um, so as long as your, your ballot is received by November 6th, I believe it is, in Pennsylvania, it can still be counted. So depending on how close the election is, we may not know the winner on November 3rd. Um, in Florida, however, um, like I said, we do have that deadline, and we also have a very long early voting period, which is great. So my advice for individuals would be if you have the ability to vote in person early and you feel safe doing so, you know, certainly wear a mask and, and bring your own pen and hand sanitizer 
but go do that. Um, here at Rollins, our closest early voting location is the Winter Park Public Library uh, right across the street from campus. So anyone registered in Orange County can vote there. Um, and then certainly voting by mail. Our recommendation um, through my office is to send in your vote by mail ballot at least a week before the election. So by this upcoming Tuesday, because that'll give it a chance um, to get there through the Postal Service. Another option that's available is to take your mail-in ballot and physically drop it at a polling location. A number of uh, Supervisor of Elections offices are putting secure drop boxes at those polling locations so that you don't have to worry about sending it through the, the mail. You can physically drop it yourself. Yeah, perfect. And I mean, those are some great ways of doing it. And I'll, I'll also mention those at the end of the show. Um, and and I, I think a really good question, and I had heard this from um, from one of my friends that had asked it, is is that if, let's say that you vote for maybe one candidate and they don't win, uh, what, what are some ways that you can still stay involved? Or, or even if you vote for a candidate and, and they do win, and that's the one that you wanted, what are ways after the election that you can make sure that your voice is still heard even beyond mm -hmm. voting? I love that question, and I think we have the, the false assumption in the U.S. that once we elect someone to office, that's, that's it, our civic duty ends there. Um, but certainly we need to hold those folks accountable for living up to the expectations we have of them. So things like calling or emailing or even meeting in person with your legislators is really important. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that is accessible to, to any constituent. Um, certainly there's, you know, big groups and, and lobbies that have more access to candidates, but they genuinely care about hearing from everyone. So I would encourage you to, to reach out and to also get involved in, in advocacy organizations. So coalitions that come together to advocate for specific issues, um, whether it's immigration reform or environmental sustainability. There's, there's a lot of power in numbers when it, it comes to bringing passionate people together for a, a common cause. So that's a, a big piece of it. And then getting involved in local politics, I think, is really important and something that, that we don't do uh, very well in this country. I'd say, you know, turnout in presidential elections is typically much higher than, than turnout in midterms in the same is true for like local elections but the individuals who represent us at like the the city and county level and even the state level have a lot more influence over our day-to-day -day lives and the legislation that that impacts us than the national level in many ways so i'd encourage folks to to think about you know who are your local elected officials and how can you meet with them and express your interest? Perfect. And once again, I'll reiterate those points at the end of the show, uh, you know, just because they're so fantastic. Um, and yeah, and, and that really does conclude all the questions I had for you. Thank you so much, Bailey, for coming on. Yes, thank you so much. Go vote. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Bailey. Bye. Awesome, awesome. That, that that was very insightful. There were a lot of great points to be made. Um, and quite honestly, yeah, like I said, I'm going to have to reiterate those. Yeah, that, uh, Bailey was definitely such an excellent resource. I think it's so cool that the Democracy Project is available at Rawlings for everybody to get involved and to learn so much about the voting process. Absolutely. And when we get back, we're going to be having another guest who is just as insightful as Bailey. Um, and it's going to be one of Rollins' finest who, uh, you know what, I won't give it away. <laughs> We're going to play some music for you, keep the upbeat vibe of voting going on, so enjoy the music.
right, welcome back, you guys. Um, so, as you guys remember, the last interview we had was fantastic, and it was with uh, Bailey Clark. Um, but as I promised, we are going to have another fantastic interview with just as insightful of a person, um, and that's none other than Rollins' finest, which is Dr. Chong. Uh, we have Dr. Chong on the phone right now. So, how you doing, Dr. Chong? Good. How you doing, Bobby? Doing fantastic. We're very excited to have you here. Uh, before we begin with the questions, can you tell us a little about a little bit about what you do at Rollins? Yeah, sure. I teach in the political science department. Uh, I do mostly classes on uh, international human rights and uh, things like global poverty and war and peace. Oh wow, those are so now I can definitely tell you're you, you've earned that doctor title for sure. Um, but uh, so, so as you know, today's topic for the show is, is voting in the elections. With with the elections coming up this this upcoming uh, November third, um, we we did want to talk a little bit about it. So so the biggest question is why should we go out to vote? Yeah, good question. So voting is like one of the most important things you can do in a democratic society because, uh, you know, every two or four years you vote uh, and you choose who's going to represent you at the local or state or national uh, level. And those people really do have the power to uh, run those those offices. Um, and so there's lots of other things you can do in a democracy. There's, you can go out and protest. You can write letters to members of Congress, you can um, express your, your voice. Um, but voting really does give your power to the people who can run those those offices. Yeah, that's perfectly said. And, and I even heard you mention, um, like, like, you know, giving the power, which kind of gives me a good segue to this next question, which, um, you know, our government is divided in the sense of powers. So, so what are those three powers of the government or three branches? Yeah, so at the, uh, at, at the federal level, it's uh, between the, um, the legislature, which is Congress, the House, and the Senate. Uh, there's the executive branch, which is obviously the president that everybody knows about. Um, that, that's the big election this year. Uh, and then there's the judiciary, which at the federal level is the Supreme Court. And although we don't go out and vote for the members of the Supreme Court directly, uh, we're voting for a president who will then nominate those members of the Supreme Court as well. And just to add one other thing about why it's so important to, uh, to vote, especially for young people, you know, like for, for people 18 to 29 or so, like probably even most important for, for, uh, for us to vote um, because uh, it's that age group that has the biggest gap between their ideas and beliefs about politics and their participation. And so um, young people typically vote only about 30 to 50 percent or so, uh, whereas older people, like boomers, uh, vote at the 60 to 70 percent level, and so there's this huge gap. And if more young people would vote, uh, they would get to um, determine who really runs those offices. Yeah, and, and that's a fantastic point, considering you know our, our viewers right now are, are pretty much, on the, for the most part, very young. Um, so yeah, and, and even young or old, go out and vote because it is very important. Um, now, one one thing that we have brought up a lot is the word politics. And, and one thing that you, I do want to ask you is, what, what does that word mean? What, what is politics? Yeah, it's a good question because politics often has a kind of negative connotation because it's always about a, a horse race for an election or a fight or, uh, you know, people not necessarily telling the truth. And it certainly can be that. It can be a kind of competition for power or self-interest. But at it, when politics works well, what it really is is an attempt to find solutions to common problems. So like in any society, we have common problems, whether it's, you know, poverty or the environment or security or whatever it is. Um, and the way that we figured out how to solve those problems is to create a government. And so politics really is about uh, more than this, but a lot about uh, how government functions and how to run a, an effective government. Uh, and so if we want the government uh, to have a role in addressing problems like climate change or poverty or, or security or whatever it is, um, then we should get involved in politics. And a lot of that is, is about fights because we do have different interests and maybe even more important, we have different values. We have different ideas about what effective government would be or would look like. Uh, and so that's why it often comes into a debate. Awesome. And, um, you know, I had, asked, I had asked Bailey this, which was our previous guest, um, which is after the election. So, you know, regardless of the, the results, whether or not you supported the candidate who won um, or, you know, you didn't, what are some good ways that you can still stay involved even past voting? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the really interesting things about this election, it's probably, I would say, the most important election in my lifetime for a couple of reasons. One is that um, our, the people in the U.S. are pretty polarized right now. We, we're pretty split along party lines, uh, and that creates a lot of tension. Um, and at the same time, there are threats to our democracy, both within the country and from without. Uh, and so uh, that's a long-term problem, whoever gets elected uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and so one thing, like, one thing people can do is just try to speak to people who you disagree with in a civil way. And that's a lot of what we try to do in the classroom at Rollins as well. Um, people have meaningful disagreements and legitimate disagreements about values and interests. And, and being able to talk to people uh, and try to bridge gaps uh, that are causing this partisan and polarized uh, society is helpful. Um, and then just, yeah, getting involved at the local, national, state level. There's so many ways to do it, whether it's volunteering at your local organization uh, to fight uh, for whatever issue you care about, uh, whether it's keeping writing letters and, and calling and, and, um, and visiting your members of Congress to push for policies that you want. Um, there's lots of things that, uh, as a good citizen, you can do after the election and between elections. That was beautifully put. And uh, you know what? I think that concludes all the questions we had for you. Um, we, we promised our guests we would bring a very amazing educational guest, and we didn't, we didn't disappoint. So thank you so much for that, Dr. Chung. Um, all right. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah. Good to talk to you. All right. All right. Well, that was a very insightful interview. Um, quite honestly, I, I think we've been lucky in this in the fact that both shows we've had amazing guests. <laughs> so before we can recap everything that you guys have learned today, um, or I guess you know what before Matthew, what what are some of your thoughts on on everything we've we've talked about? Um, I think it was really great to have like two very good guests, especially like I think Dr. Sean really helped to simplify the process. You know, like especially like for me. Um, my first time really like interacting with the U.S. electoral system was in a college class last year, and so like having a really simplified looking version of it, I think is great. And even for people who are citizens or people who have been like living here and can vote for like a really long time, I think it's also good to just be able to brush up on it, you know, and just getting to know like what exactly is it that your vote is doing, and like why is it so impactful for you to go out and do it. No, absolutely, and and that's a wonderful point. And um, well, we'll definitely talk about it, but. We're going to give you guys some more songs that give that chill, upbeat vibe that we're talking about when it comes to voting. So, enjoy!
and we are back. Um, so, as promised, we are going to sum up today in quick, easy points. Um, so, I'm going to start off by saying that voting is a process by which a group of people can decide things fairly when they don't agree. Um, in the USA, there are two kinds of vote. The popular vote, and that's decided directly by citizens, so by the vote that we're going to be casting. And then the electoral vote, and that's decided by the electors in the electoral college. And once again, the electoral college is not a college uh, like Rollins is, but electors um, that come together and they're chosen by each state um, to represent the states and people's interest. And election day is always the first Tuesday after November 1st. And a couple of tips for this election to make an impact now are to make sure you get involved in your local community. You have the League of Women Voters. Um, you have vote411.org. That's a really great resource online that we got from Bailey. You have your Orlando Sentinels Voter Guide. Uh, that's a, a really great resource to let you know like, what exactly is happening on the ballot here in Florida and what you should be checking out and just letting you know like how do those positions like really map out when you vote for them. Yeah, perfect. And then also on top of the, the tips that Bailey gave was uh, getting involved even in local elections. So making sure that this big election for president that's going on is amazing. Get involved with that. But when there's elections for your mayor, your local representative, make sure to get involved then. And then like Dr. Chong said, just talking to people about issues. That's the biggest form of involvement right there. And it's the simplest form too. Um, so just make sure that you always stay informed on these issues. Talk to people about them. And when there's disagreement, uh, accept disagreement on issues and, and try and um, well, I guess, you know, ha have a civil discourse or have a good conversation with that person. And, uh, and, and that's pretty much one of the purest forms of democracy or in the government that we live in currently. Definitely. And I just say, like, if you are going out to vote again, make sure you're wearing your mask, your social distancing. Um, like Bailey said, if you are going to do a mailing vote, make sure you get it in by next week, Tuesday, the week before the election. There are different um, measures available for you to vote. You can go in person, you can drop it off to a ballot box, depending, or you can just, you know, mail it in. Perfect, perfect. So when it comes to voting, make sure you do your part and 